there, and welcome to the Prickly Things Podcast, the show where we are open and honest about everyday life in hopes to empower, motivate, and inspire you. So listen close, because we all love a good story. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Prickly Things Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and being part of the TPT family. My name is Sandra and I am the host. Today we are on the DACA series and I am super excited to connect with a very special guest. Uh, Joining me on this episode is Kim Schwartz. Hi, Kim. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining. You know, I totally forgot to ask before this, uh, where are you joining us from? San Francisco. (gasps) You're in San Francisco, California. Ooh, that is so nice. Is it nice weather right now? Right now it is nice weather. (laughs) The weather here is kind of crazy. Sometimes it's foggy, sometimes it's sunny. Today it's sunny and a bit windy. Wow. Have you always lived in San Francisco? No, um, I started living here after graduating from, well, actually I used to live in the South Bay. which is what people call south, south of San Francisco in the Bay Area, uh, closer to work. But then I was a little bored and I decided to move to San Francisco. So I've been here for about two and a half years now. Wow. So I've heard San Francisco kind of compares to New York. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, have you been to New York? I have been to New York. Um, huh, that's interesting. I feel like it's different. Do you? I've never yeah, been. Different. I think it's very different. I think New York is a like concrete jungle, a lot of high rises, like everything is a high rise. I would mm-hmm. say in New York, you look up and you just see a huge building and San Francisco, our skyscrapers are centered in like the financial district. And then where yeah all the little neighborhoods we don't really we have like apartment buildings but they're not as huge as New York but I can see the comparison um I I personally would say they're different vibes and the people are very different too oh yeah for sure I was literally very scared to go to New York because of everything I was told about New York and like the pit pockers and all this stuff that it was like oh my gosh I'm scared but look at you a young girl in this city so that's super exciting um I've never been to San Francisco before but I've only seen it from that's so raven I think that's where oh. they filmed right I think yeah. Yeah, San Francisco Full House is also in San Francisco. Yeah, you got me on that one. I never saw Full House. Oh, I I did. I had a crush on Uncle Jesse. So oh, did he? I think he just recently made a comeback in a new series or new movie. I think so. I haven't watched it, but I think he's like on a new Disney show. Um, I forgot her name, but there's this TikToker that I follow, and I and I've seen her make videos with him uh and it was it's a new disney channel show i believe but yeah he's a little bit older now you still feel <laughs> the same way or no uh no i mean he's a good looking he's a good looking man but i'm not crushing on him like that anymore i have other crushes um like uh robert downey jr Okay. Okay. So you, you've matured in your taste in men. I mean, he's still kind of an old man, (laughs) but I just like his vibe, his like energy. Um, 
in and out of Iron Man. I just love, just love his persona. So yeah, he's definitely a crush. Yeah, uh, for sure. Classic. Uh, yeah, definitely one of my tops too. Uh, but talking about Disney Channel and Disney stars, yeah. uh, I think before recording, we were mentioning how you have, you know, your celebrity lookalike. And I don't know if you've ever done this on TikTok. Um, there's this little app that kind of does your celebrity lookalike. But I'm so curious to know, have you been told that you look like Miranda Cosgrove? Miranda Cosgrove. Yeah, I have been told that uh, a lot of times. It's pretty funny. <laughs> like, Sometimes, um, like my friends, I had a friend who uploaded a picture of me and then her friends commented, oh my God, I thought you were with Miranda Cosgrove or like on the TikToks that I make, sometimes people will comment, oh my God, I thought you were Miranda Cosgrove or Mexican Miranda. Other people say iCarla and even, okay. So based on this, actually years before, um, I've gotten this for a many times and so my boyfriend even before TikTok and stuff my boyfriend thinks it's hilarious to call me iCarly when we're out in public so whenever we're at like a big event or um or if we go to Disneyland or at a festival or even just at a coffee shop my boyfriend starts calling me iCarly Carly can I get a picture with you iCarly and he starts chasing me as if he doesn't know me and it's the most embarrassing thing ever but he thinks it's hilarious. And so people will sometimes like think, <laughs> I mean, they, they think he, it, it's true and I just have to hide. And then when I start hiding, it makes it seem like I am her, but like, she's a lot, our body types are different. She's a lot, I think she's taller and like way skinnier. Um, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I got, I get that. <laughs> you do get that a lot. Well, look at that. I from mean, the face, from the face. Yeah, yeah. I can totally see that. And obviously right now we're recording virtually, so I can only see your face, but even as you're talking and your like energy and I am totally getting iCarly vibes on this oh conversation. So that's super cool. It's, uh, yeah, definitely excited uh, to have you on this show. And as we mentioned, this is a DACA series. And as I connected with you um, about being on this episode, it was important for me to uh, bring representation to this podcast from a lot of people out in social media that is sharing openly about their story and their status being a DACA recipient. Um, there's a lot to talk about today on DACA yeah. and um, definitely taking the time to get to know you and have you share your story. Um, I think uh, with DACA, the most recent update that I saw was uh, now we can uh, submit our application online. So if we're renewing as DACA recipients, we can submit online. So I don't know what this means to you, but to me, it's like a whole game changer. Have you heard about this update and like, how do you feel about it? Um, yes, I have heard about it. I am very excited for everyone who files their own DACA application every single, I mean, every other two years. I know that the it'll probably make the application process more accessible and less uh, intimidating for a lot of people. Because uh, I think filling out a form, I don't know, like a physical form and then sending it off via you know, you get like, it's stressful and it adds a layer of like, I think anxiety and complexity to the process. And honestly, the government is so it really needs to get with the times because online, like sending paperwork through uh, mail <laughs> should not be a thing anymore. We should be able to fill out anything on the internet. 
Um, but for me personally, I'm in a privileged position where my employer, um, I used to do it on my own, but my employer helps me with that process now. So it's less complicated for me, but I'm very excited that everyone else now has this. So. Wow. That's so interesting to hear that your employer helps you. Do they facilitate kind of like, uh, like a lawyer or something to assist you with it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's an immigration team and they support me through this, uh, and they answer any questions that they, like I may have, uh, it's so, it's very, it's very nice, honestly. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. Very, uh, interesting that there's that opportunity. I'm not sure that I've ever heard of employers assisting with this. Usually it's this stigma that, you know, even on applications, I've seen people say when employers ask you, will you at any point need sponsorship, you know, through your work? And usually there's always that stigma on how to answer that question. Thankfully, as DACA recipients, we don't have to worry about that because we know, you know, usually our employers won't sponsor us um, through DACA. But uh, to know that your employer definitely helps and supports and is open and knowledgeable about this process, like that is so good. That's so good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first there's a whole story to this, but, um, I was in my senior year, uh, of college, uh, when I got my full-time offer to work, um, where I work and that same week that I was supposed to sign that, um, you know, commit to working full-time for them. That's the same week that Trump rescinded DACA. And that's the same that the news came out that we're going to end the program uh, and I w- had my little folder that I was putting together, signing my full-time offer. And I was like, why am I even going to send this if I can do work after I graduate because Trump's taking DACA away? And so in that moment, I completely stopped caring about the world knowing that I had DACA. Because before that, I wasn't very vocal about my status. I didn't really share it with people. I was shy and I had so much anxiety and I was fearful and I just didn't really share my situation to people publicly. And I also, you know, had feelings of being judged. I didn't want to be judged or seen any different, especially I think by people that I went to high school with, because I grew up in a very conservative area where a lot of people voted for Trump, where I grew up in my small little town. And so I just had all these feelings. But then when Trump was into the program, I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I don't have anything to lose. And so I wrote out a statement on my social media about my my life story, you know. And so it kind of like in a way, um, I wouldn't say it went viral, but a lot of people shared it and it got shared and it got shared and it got shared. And somehow my uh, managers, uh, my intern managers saw it and then they sent it to HR and then the recruiter and like the people person saw it at my company. And then like uh, the day after this happened, they, I got a call from uh, somebody in HR and they told me, Kim, we read your story and we are here to support you in any way we can a hundred percent. We are here to help you in any way we can. And so they became aware of my situation. And from that day forward, I started getting like full on like immigration support 
Uh, and I'm sure that we have, there's a whole support for all DACA recipients at my company. Um, but that's kind of how that got kicked off. And I, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, it was, I, I put myself out there and they found out and it ended up working out fine. <laughs> it, it was okay. And I think, oh man, so much in that story that it's beautiful that they were so open and supportive right away. I think that's always a fear and I can totally relate. And if anybody's out there listening, um, I think that fear of anxiety of like people knowing, and it's this kept secret yeah. that we've had for almost all of our lives. Like we're undocumented and we're told to sometimes feel embarrassed about it or ashamed yeah. or we're different from others. So you should try to not tell anyone, but when it comes to like, affecting your life and this was at a point where for you you were excited about starting a job I mean we're talking about right off of college but then there was that you know like oh what if I can't work what if I can't do this anymore what's the point yeah I it was it was I mean and I'm sure we all have had a lot of moments like this but it, it was crazy because half of me was at a very high point you know I was about to graduate from my dream school the dream program um so I studied at UC Berkeley and I got a degree from the Haas School of Business which was a whole other feat to get into after I was in Berkeley and I was about to work full-time for a top tech company and I had this full-time offer in my hand and I felt like my life was going to change and that's what all college students dream of getting a full-time offer when you graduate and then the other half of me was like losing potentially losing you know DACA work authorization and I felt like my entire future and plans were it was done like it was over and it was just such a weird feeling to be in. I know a lot of us probably felt like that. And so, yeah, that's why at that point I just stopped caring. I was like, you know what? Like I need to tell people that I'm a DACA recipient. I need people to know that I'm undocumented. All these people who I went to high school with who voted for Trump, uh, who have said a lot of things publicly on social media about undocumented immigrants need to know that me that I, Kimberly Schwartz, am also a document immigrant and I'm a DACA recipient and look where I am. Um, because not to brag, but at the same time, I went to the best university for my graduating class um, in high school. And I wanted people to know that an undocumented immigrant uh, is doing what I was doing and they voted for Trump. And I just, I just wanted to get that out there and I just wanted the world to know. And I was angry and I was sad. And honestly, my body was shaking when I posted this, because like you said, like this has the people knowing that I was undocumented my, was my greatest fear of my life. And then once, and I first, I asked my parents for permission, like, I didn't really ask for permission, but I communicated that I was going to be doing this because I wanted them to know, I didn't know what was going to happen or if people were going to, I had a fear that people maybe were going to come egg my parents' house or do something. Come after you. Yeah. Yeah. Just something. But I, my parents were like, we support you go ahead. And then after that moment, my life honestly started changing. I became, um, in terms of I don't know. I just felt like I found more peace in who I am and where I come from and my background and my status. Like I became, I feel like I stopped 
you know, that anxiety or like that feeling of like, I'm less than other people went away. Um, in terms of what people deem to be the American dream, I had achieved um, what a lot of people tell uh, kids to do, right? Get straight A's, get into a good college, graduate from a good university, get a good job after you graduate. I was doing that. I had done all those things that you, you know. Supposed to do, yeah. Yes, and and even though I had, I had all these accomplishments, I still in myself felt like I was less than, me sentía menos. Yeah. And I hate that. And so after I became public about my status, I felt like those, those feelings in a way went away and I stopped becoming so fearful of a lot of things. And I became more confident in myself and happy about my roots. And I started loving myself more and who I am and my story and my background. And honestly, like my mental health improved so much after everyone found out where I come from. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and you know, as you're talking, it's hard not to get emotional as you're sharing, because yeah. it's crazy that even as I'm listening to you talk about this experience like I've had the same moment in my life where I'm like I'm done with hiding like I don't want to hide anymore I think the the whole concept of it is we've rejected every single part of us that is not American we've rejected our language uh I grew up in Arizona and I've shared this before in other episodes where I had to talk perfect English, right? Because if you talked with an accent, I mean, I grew up with a, a white community around me that it was, you know, embarrassing for me to have an accent. So I, I worked on perfecting my English. I worked on not even speaking Spanish around others. Um, even at home, my mom would be like, you can only speak Spanish at home. When we're out in the streets, you're only talking English because we didn't want to be looked at differently, even from my mom's perspective. And I think growing up, we were told to re- reject everything that was undocumented about the about us or Hispanic yeah. or Latino or and then embrace all the American culture. And like you said, we're overachievers over here. We're making it and we're doing it and we're getting things done. But still, part of that feels like we're not enough. And that at a point becomes so overwhelming where you I mean, no matter what you do, you're still not going to get citizenship. Uh, IDACA comes through and gives you a two-year permit but then we talk about the anxiety it is to go through this process every and we say two years but reality is it's every 16 to 18 months because that renewal the date comes in before the two-year expiration date we're already kicking off our anxiety months before and like it's so overwhelming and I'm glad that you're talking about this because um being open and accepting of our situation is hard and It's, it's funny how I think from interviewing different DACA recipients on the show, a lot of us have talked about how the Trump administration kind of kicked off that fire in us as you're talking about being mad, being upset, being happy, like having all of these feelings and finally breaking free from that, like, quote unquote, oppression that we had for ourselves. So like, I felt related to that because I also felt like I came out during the Trump uh, administration. I feel like like a lot of people on the podcast have also mentioned that too. Like you're just so fed up with everything that you're just like telling the world. And I'm glad it worked out for you. That's super cool. Yeah. You feel like you have like nothing left to lose, right? Yeah. Like how it works. Well, I have nothing left to lose. 
they're going to take me might as well let them know this is who they're going to send back. And like you said, we've done all the right things. We are achieving everything. I mean, going to college is not easy. I mean, I definitely want to ask about your experience Um, and then getting a job. You know, you think that life is going to be linear and you go through this and this and this and this event. And eventually you're going to have citizenship or you're going to be rewarded uh, because yeah. ultimately that's what we're looking for, right? We're just looking to be accepted and given the yeah. opportunity to stay here. Uh, but they don't make it easy. They do not make it easy. Um, but, you know, as you were sharing about being undocumented and, and, and feeling like you were hiding this, uh, did you always knew you were undocumented I I did I did I always knew my parents oh they told me um so I was always aware I, I always knew that I was undocumented I was born in Mexico I knew that life was going to be a bit more difficult for me and complicated um because my parents always just told me to focus on school and do good in school like my parents always told me do good in school that's your only job Um, even though I had way more other things going on, but (laughs) they told me to do good in school. But I think the reality of my situation um, started coming more like present when I was in high school. Um, I always like avoided, like even when when I was younger, uh, talking about where I was born or if kids would ask me where I was born, I would say, um the city where my brother was born actually was a town but I would mention the same town uh I was like whatever I'm just gonna pretend I was born there because I didn't want people to ask me questions um and but yeah in high school especially when everyone started gaining their license you know I would just avoid answering questions or I just pretended like I didn't want to drive yet and I kind of just avoided that conversation but I always knew I I always knew it was it was a constant it was constantly present in my mind that I was undocumented and that life was going to be hard um one of the one of the things that was hard for me especially in high school was um there's all these um programs right like upper bound or educational opportunity search I believe there's all these programs for uh, students who teachers uh, usually select and are like hey this kid is more likely to go to college or this kid looks like he has a good it's gifted <laughs> yes something yes. like that right I remember so, yeah okay so it started in middle school when they started like recruiting all these students and, and continued on to high school. And I would just sit in class and I would like wonder why I was never asked to be part of these programs because, you know, I was I was a top student. I was up there. I was like number one. <laughs> and I was like, I have the best grades in my class, but why am I not being recruited for these programs? I don't understand. And then I went and asked one time and they told me because you don't have a social security number. Yeah. Um, I don't want to cry, but yeah, like that really, I was like, wow. Okay. Um, It's fine. I'm going to figure it out on my own then without anyone's help. Um, But like that, that really hurt me when I was young because I wanted help 
And they told me I couldn't get it because I didn't have a social security number. And I like would hear about my friends' experiences who would go to like Upward Bound and they would like spend like the summers um, at the local Chico State, like at the Chico State University and they would spend a whole summer there. And I could not do that. And that was pretty sad for me that like, I, I was doing everything right. I had the grades, but just because I didn't have the social security number, I couldn't do the program. So that the, it was like those kind of moments where I started becoming more aware of like what, what my life would look like, but I was extremely determined to become something and to succeed no matter what no matter what. Um, I grew up watching, I'm sure people listening, uh, Teresa. Yes, <laughs> um, girl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I know that people can say she was folksy or whatever, but she had a little, that energy, like was honestly very inspiring to me because Teresa came from a low income household. Her parents, you know, had, um, you know, just like, you know, normal jobs, but they weren't high paying. You know, I think her dad was a mechanic. I think her mom was like a, she would wash dress. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Um, And that was pretty much my life. You know, my dad um, works in construction. My mom works at a restaurant and my dad was also like a farm worker. My parents worked in the fields. My mom cleaned houses. I cleaned office buildings with my dad, like all kinds of jobs. Um, and Teresa always wanted, she always said, oh, que hola, maldita, like, maldita and she would say, and she would just like go off on these like moments of empowerment. And she was, she was top of her class. Um, she had the best grades. All these rich kids of her class would like make fun of her because uh, she was poor, but she was determined and she was, and she made it happen for herself with her intelligence and determination. She did a couple of bad things along the way, but I would a watch couple. that. <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 there were bad moments, but like that, but the, the story of her, um, you know, working hard and, um, doing good in school and she was just determined, um, to get out of poverty was like my takeaway from it. Um, anyways, I like, I kind of like channeled that same energy where I was determined to be someone and to get out of the situation that I was in. Um, you know, my parents are lovely. My parents raised me with so much love. They've always been extremely hardworking. I was never then I never lacked food on the table or clothing, you know, um, but I still saw them, you know, work extremely hard and not earn enough. I still saw us living like paycheck to paycheck or when something would go bad, I saw them trying to figure out how to pay for things. And I just hated seeing them struggle. Um, I just wanted us to have financial security. I didn't want us to like live paycheck to paycheck I wanted us to have I don't know I just wanted I dreamt of a better future and that's the whole point of why my parents came to the United States right was for um future better life uh, to have a better life um so yeah (laughs) like I never understood why I liked Teresa so much right 
And like, I watched Teresa later on, like as an adult, I don't think I watched her when I was little. Cause like back then we couldn't watch novelas, but like, I think I watched her. She was on Netflix later on and I watched it and I was like, yes, obsessed. Netflix. yeah. And I was obsessed and I was like, I had never understood the similarities. And like, until now that we're putting two and two together, but like, it's so funny. Like even now there's scenes where she's like, no voy a dejar que me trague esta maldita pobreza. You know, things like that that are so funny, but like they're, yeah, you're right. They're applicable. Like I totally understand the whole concept of her trying to improve herself and, and work hard for these things. Now, I think a lot of it too is a little materialistic, uh, but you know, she did work her way through a lot of the difficulties that she had to face. Uh, but yeah, the yeah. bullying is so relatable. Like you know, uh, people taking you down or, or making you feel bad about your situation and stuff like that. Yeah, a lot of it is very yeah. relatable. It um, is. It is. I, yeah, she, there's like, there's a lot of scenes. Like one of the scenes was people making fun of where she lives. And another scene was people just making fun of her for being poor and like laughing about it. And in those moments, you can see like she she felt very emotional and she wanted to cry and she was teary eyed, but she would address them all. And she would, there's this scene where she says, um, yes, I'm Teresa Chavez. Um, I don't have money, uh, but I am still going to be the number one of our class despite everything and your technology and your guys's money isn't going to be enough to, um, to like surpass me or to beat me there. She was talking about something about, um, yeah, like just- I think it was like, getting to college. I think it was about getting to college because she was trying yeah. to get to law school. And she was like, I'm going to get to law school. And no matter, yeah, I remember that scene where she was like, even I have a cheap laptop, but even you yes. with your like brand new, um, you know, electronics, yes. you can't match me. Yeah, she's like, Sirela, una de esta clase. Look at you. So dramatic. <laughs> yeah, girl, I had that scene saved on my phone because I love it. Yeah, I just like identified with that so much um, because I did live in, um, I grew up in a mobile home with my parents until they were able to purchase their home. But um, I was raised in that home until I was in high school. Um, my brother actually had a very different experience because he's six years younger. So he went through middle school and high school in a house. Um, and so, but for me, I lived in a trailer park in a mobile home with my parents until I was like a senior in high school. And we moved to the house that my parents bought, which is great. I'm super proud of them, but I think society and people, um, the way that even you see people talking about, Man, even movies or TV shows, you know, talking about people who live in a mobile home and they call them like trailer trash. And there's all these terms that are used to people who live in um, these parks. And so I felt very, uh, it's so sad and I hate that I had that experience, but I felt so like ashamed and embarrassed about where I lived. I, I, I hated living where I lived. I like those were the feelings that the world I feel like made me have and I felt ashamed about it and it sucks like I hate that I felt like that um but I also had like some people like there was a moment where some people like made a song about me living in a like trailer park 
And I like got home and I was crying about it. And I didn't want to tell my parents because I didn't want my parents, I didn't want them to like make them feel sad. Um, and I didn't want my parents to like know that I felt um, like embarrassed um, or ashamed. Like I didn't, because I knew those were bad feelings, but I still had them. Um, but my mom was like, let me in, let me in. And like, I finally did and explained the situation. And, um, you know, my parents are like so encouraging and like, um, they've always like motivated me that I can do amazing things and big things in the world. But, um, yeah, I just like never forgot that moment where people were making fun of me. My mom's like, ignore them. You are going to do so much in life, so much more than those people who are making fun of you. Um, and so, um, yeah, like the scenes where she would get, you know, um, laughed at for where she lived. I like really identified with that and so much more, um, not. And so, yeah, I just think that it's important, um, for like the younger generation, um, to even to understand. And even though there are in situations where they might not like or not be happy about or it might be extremely hard uh family situation um or economic situation like they can get out of it and I hope that kids who are younger like feel it, that inspiration or get inspired through some way or some avenue and believe that they can um get out of it and they can do it um and in my head I always had that idea in my head that, like I'm gonna like I would manage, like before manifestation became such a big thing, I feel like it's a very huge thing now, but I would manifest it. Like I would write it in my diary and I would say, these are the goals that I have for my life. And I would write big dreams in there. And I consistently like pictured me going to college or me graduating from college, maybe, you know, becoming a boss, like a boss woman, like we saw in the novelas, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I always like, motivated myself through like I guess just like picturing myself in this other situation um but yeah I like that's kind of like something that I hope that I can do through via like my TikTok um that I can and hopefully you know because I never had somebody I never had someone to look to look at that was undocumented that I knew was going to college or that was um, you know, I don't know, living on her own or that when, I don't know, it's working at XYZ company. I just never had somebody who I knew that was undocumented, who went to college, who was working at XYZ company and who was like doing it. Like I, I, and so I, my hope is that I can hopefully like inspire and give, um, people or, um, you know, who are in a similar situation as I am, um, I guess like hope and inspiration that they can too. Like, I just want them to, I just want everyone to believe in themselves. Um, that's one of my biggest motivators. And I, I strongly believe that we all can do big things. We just need to not, and I know there's a lot of like structural barriers, socioeconomic barriers. There's a lot of barriers that we have to overcome to get there, but it is possible and it is possible to make it and it is possible to overcome all that because the thoughts that we have in our heads and what we tell ourselves do end up becoming, you know, a reality. If we hold ourselves back, if we believe we can't do something, it's not going to happen. But, you know, the energy that we put out 
um, in the world and towards ourselves. And if we believe something, if we picture ourselves doing it, I think that um, becomes a reality. Like people say, like manifesting is a thing, um, you know, like believing in your, I just think it's overall just like believing in yourself and picturing that you can do those things. You will do those things. Um, so yeah. Look at Kim becoming a life coach. Like, is this going to be next for you? Like life coach, Kim, I'm totally see manifesting girl. Yes. Totally see you uh, as a life coach. And I mean, that's basically what you're doing. I mean, even through your social media and uh, the influence that you have, like you said, on everyone that follows you and we'll get to your um, social media and what you're doing on that um, eventually. But uh, as we were talking, I mean, there's so much to unpack on everything that you just shared. Um, <laughs> I think there was another TikTok that I saw of yours. Um, so we, we, we were moving on from Teresa, right? Because yes, yes, we felt related and that it, I called her Teresa. Okay, did you see me like American? I was, about, I was about to call you out on it. Not Teresa, like, it's Teresa. Sometimes, you know, switching back and forth is hard. Like when I was talking earlier, I was like, maldita, and it wasn't coming out right. (laughs) So Um, sorry, it's Teresa. Yes. (laughs) Um, But as we were talking about. (laughs) Yes, as we were talking about Teresa, like another similarity that I remember was like the lying, right? There was so much lying that she had to do to like keep up with her image. And I think that's something that I felt related about like us having to lie. There was a TikTok you posted about like having to lie about not having a driver's license. Oh, it's because I don't want to drive. But deep inside you were like, I wish it could or things like that. So the lying definitely ties into Teresa. So I'm a liar, Mithios. No, no, no. But like, it's no, it's no, what we have no. to do. Like, we no, I know. See, so like, I grew up extremely religious. Um, my parents are very Christian, and so I felt so guilty every time I had I lied. But I lied. Now that you're bringing it up, yes, I I lied so much about so many things, and I felt guilty. I felt like I was doing something bad and I felt so bad every single time I lied but I did I couldn't help myself I would lie I would lie about where I was born I would lie about sometimes like I would lie about where I lived you know that's so bad but like we already explained why before or I would lie even about the jobs my parents had I or I was vague about it I wouldn't give details um or I would lie about I don't know there were you know, programs that, like, there was a program about kids going to, like, Washington, D.C., and I lied about why I didn't go, or there was um, another program about, like, camping for, like, two weeks, and I, it, it was called Shady Creek, I believe, but I didn't go because my parents didn't have the money to pay for it, but I lied about why I didn't go, um, yeah, girl, you're right. <laughs> the things we had to do to protect ourselves. And this is the, the thing that is the psychology part of it, right? The fact that nobody told us to lie, like there was no, no. one in like no. my family. Also, they were very open about our situation. And yes, my mom told me, be careful with who you say this to, or how you say this, you know, don't mention it. If you don't have to, don't mention it. But a lot of the times we had to protect ourselves from that. And that was through lying. Now, yeah. the other part too, like you were protecting not only yourself but also your parents like you embrace this overprotective 
role, not wanting to hurt your parents' feelings about their situation. And I got that from your story about, you know, not wanting to tell your mom that you were hurting, that somebody was making fun because you didn't want to make your mom feel bad. And I think I I relate to that so much because growing up, I think both of us as women, um, I mean, there's so many things that you can already encounter, but I think I remember being poor too and living, dude, I lived in the projects. So, I mean, that's just how it is. Like, so yeah, I grew up in Arizona and then I lived in the projects for the majority of like my high school years. And like you totally said, like being poor and going through so many things. I also went to church and at church, uh, we were so poor that everyone in the church would donate clothes to us so that they would donate us their clothes. Dude, somebody even donated their underwear to us. And I'm like, so this is church, right? And you think that church people, yes, thank you. And you're being kind and awesome, but like you're donating me your underwear. Like that is just offensive at some point level and then having to be made fun of because I was wearing so the other girls saw that I was wearing their clothes and they would call me out on it like oh that used to be mine at the church yeah church this is I'm telling you like it was this whole thing but like as you're telling me and then oh girl I don't know why I'm surprised I got made fun of some by some people from church too actually okay Um, so there's the girls that would donate the clothes to me, they were older. So they, they were like 10 years older than me. So oh. they weren't going to make fun of me and they were super kind, but the girls that would make fun of me were girls my age. Yeah. 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 That was me. I didn't have friends growing up, like even at church, like they, nobody liked me because I mean, oh, I was a poor little kid, you know? Yeah. I think my dynamic was a bit different, but I didn't really have girls my age at church who were my close friends and that made me really sad. Um, but my, I, the girls that were my friends, they were more like my older sisters slash mentors. They were older, like 10 years older than me. Um, so they were very kind to me. Uh, but the girls my age. Different story. Yeah. I didn't have anyone my age that I could be friends with at that time. And, and I remember like, they would put a uh, chicle on my hair like they would stick chicle and so like I would go what? home after church and after like all this and anyway I say all these things because like all the bullying all the uh picking and they're making fun of us and even at school like you shared that story about not being invited to participate in programs and we're gifted but not gifted enough to participate like upward bound I'm totally familiar with it and same situation we didn't have a social but like I had to keep that in. I never, well, I rarely told my mom. And if I was crying, I cried like hiding or I never told my mom what was going on because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And I didn't want, um, like I'm the oldest. And so like, there was really no one else to like bounce it off with. So I kind of internalized all of that. So like, imagine all the stuff that we're talking about, just like keeping it inside. And now we're finally unpacking. Like, it's just such like an unreal experience that I don't know that a lot of people that may be listening can probably relate to that. You know, like not only are you protecting yourself, but you're protecting your parents from hurting from that same situation. So I thought that was beautiful. And I totally related to that. Um, And so like, as we're moving on, like you talked about being an oldest sister. And I think um, I also related to that. Uh, Your TikTok too, you talked about, um, there was that TikTok that I saw with Encanto and the Encanto movie. (laughs) And you made, and that was the one that I remember uh, reaching out to you about that. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is like my life story. Like I felt so many people around the world 
probably felt related to Luisa. And I know that you had posted your video about the song and how you felt related. And, and that was a lot of us being Luisa's in our family. Um, talk to me a little bit more about that and how like maybe your status has impacted your family dynamic. Yeah, so I am an old, the oldest daughter. I'm six years older than my little brother. He was born here, so he's a U.S. citizen. Let's that's hard. Watch. See, that's hard. How do you manage that relationship? That's a mixed status. So my relationship with my brother, um, thankfully, is really good and strong. Um, and I think right now, <laughs> I think a couple, a few years back, it was a bit rocky at times because like he wanted to go to a state school that was closer to where my parents lived. And I looked at his statistics, like I looked at, you know, his grades, his leadership experience, his work experience. I volunteer. I looked at what his resume looked like. And I'm like, Hiro, you are, um, you have the chance of getting into a top university in the United States. And my brother would be like, Kim, I'm not like you. I don't want that for me. And I'm like, I'm not trying to make you be like me. I just want you to believe in yourself and know how much you can achieve and what you're capable of. And I didn't think I was good enough for UC Berkeley. When I applied for it, I thought it was, it was a dream. It was just a dream of mine. I didn't believe in myself. And that's why I didn't even apply to Ivy leagues because I didn't think that was good enough for all these schools. But now that I went to that school and I've met people from Berkeley, from Stanford, from Harvard, from all the universities that I thought were so unachievable and unreachable. And I've met people at these universities and yes, they are amazing, but I wasn't less amazing as, you know, I wasn't any less uh, than them. And there are, they are people just like me and yes, they are accomplished, but um, I was good enough for all those schools as well. And I want you to know that you are good enough for those schools. And so my brother and I would have a lot of these arguments of like, even like yelling at each other that you have to believe in yourself. You need to apply. No, Kim, I am not like you. I don't want that for me. And then I'm like, you should, um, you have all these opportunities. You're born here and all this stuff. And, um, man, it was a lot. And we've also had a lot of arguments on like my, that my experience and my lived experience as an undocumented immigrant, even though we grew up in the same house, that my life experience is a lot different than his life experience and the things that I've gone through and the things that I've um, been, yeah, the things that I've been through are very different than he has. And even like, we just have had a lot of conversations that even though we grew up in the same house, our experiences have been very different. And there, he ha he didn't have to hide very much about where he lived because my parents bought a house um, when he was in middle school. And um, he has been able to travel freely to Mexico um, when something comes up. Like he even like left recently without a passport. That's a whole other know, story. That makes me so angry when I hear my friends tell me that like, oh, I totally forgot my password. I just gave them my ID and I came in and I was like, <gasps> like, because can I do that? No, if you're a citizen, they're going to let you in. Like you're born here, you know, yeah, but I know um, it's so crazy. It is. Uh, it is. But anyways, we would argue a lot about 
um, where he wanted to go to school and also like how he felt like I um, was just telling him what to do and I wanted him to be like me and that I thought that I knew everything and I was just communicating. I don't think I know everything. I just have more life experience than you because I'm older than you by six years. <laughs> and um, I, we would also argue a lot about um, how he didn't fully understand my situation. And he would feel very upset and angry that I, that he, and guilty. I think he has felt very guilty that I have had to, you know, uh, struggle more. Um, and that my parents have had to struggle. I think he, I think my brother, honestly, I love him. Um, I think he feels very guilty that he's a citizen and my, my mom, me and my dad are not. Um, and thankfully, um, we are in a very good place. Like I, he, so I live in San Francisco. My brother goes to UC Berkeley. So that's pretty close. It's just a, a bridge that we have to cross to see each other. And He's been doing amazing at Berkeley. Um, he just became the vice president of investing. He got elected for a club that he's on campus and he's like part of all these like programs. And I'm so excited for um, his future. And um, we talk a lot about, you know, I'm trying to help him through his career and like navigating college and figuring out what he wants to do next and helping him with like interviewing or his resume. Like I, help edit his resume I help him practice for interviews um my boyfriend also uh helps me a lot with my brother um they have a very good relationship and so my boyfriend also mentors him so I've taken on a very like mentorship type of relationship with my brother and um he also helps himself um sometimes I think sometimes as an older sister I was very controlling and I've like learned also like that that he I need to let him do what he wants to do, and um, when he asks for help, I'll help him. But I'm not going to be constantly, um, you know, on top of him. Like he is his own person, and ultimately he also needs to make decisions and for his own. And he does, and he does. Like he is doing amazing. I'm so proud of my brother. So uh, that's kind of like our dynamic. But we weren't close when we were younger because. You know, now that we're older, um, you know, we can have adult conversations. But when I was in high school, let's say I was 16 years old, my brother was 10. You know, like what is a 16 year old and a 10 year old going to have a com in common? Nothing. Um, when I was, you know, 12, my brother was six years old. So it wasn't until we became older um, that we can. And now that he's an adult, that we can actually have more of a relationship, which I'm very like happy and excited about uh, to continue to grow that because he's my only, he's my only brother. That is so <laughs> cute. Yeah, that is really cute. And I think, uh, you know, relating to the older sister syndrome, I think, uh, if that's appropriate, I think there's that role that we, we have internalized. And, um, I'm glad that you, you warded your relationship with your brother as a mentor and not a parent, because I felt like, I have had more of a parenting role with them and I have three younger siblings and we're also six years, six to five years in between each other. So oh, wow. Same youngest same one. Yeah. The youngest one right now, um, 15 years older than him. So it's wow. that, yeah, that range. And so it's just crazy that I've taken on that parenting role. And just like you said, like coaching him, mentoring, I feel the same way towards my siblings and like my mom, 
that she struggles sometimes like putting me as example like look at your sister look at what she's done you know she's got she went to college she's got a a job you know she did really good in school but I felt like I did that because I had to like if I could have I would have wanted to be out there playing with friends or just like slacking off and just like living life and some constantly having to remind my mom like they don't have to live the life I live like I want them to enjoy everything I didn't enjoy because I was so fixed on getting good grades I was so fixed on um you know again the overachiever because I'm trying to get somewhere but I feel like they have the privilege of enjoying it because they've already got it you know yeah so I I I understand that um because I felt like I was very, not that my brother doesn't feel this. I know he does feel the pressure, um, but I, I didn't allow myself as much to have as fun as he did in high school. Like I had fun, but I felt like my brother had more fun or in college. Now, when I watch, I, I watch his, uh, <laughs> Instagram yeah, his stories yeah, same. Um, or he sends me uh, Snapchats. Um, or he just sends me videos or texts and he tells me what he's doing. I feel like he's more, um, like enjoying his experience and like having fun with his friends as well as school and being responsible. But I think he has a lot of balance. He goes to the gym. You know, I didn't go to the gym. I felt like I didn't have time to go to the gym. I didn't, and I know I could have made time. I just didn't. Um, and I felt like I didn't, um, go out with my friends as much as I should have or could have because I felt like this time that I'm like going out I could just spend studying or doing something productive um even though I think that it's all about balance life is about balance but I I just felt guilty doing all of that um yeah yeah. but I know selfish yeah I know I'm trying to do that now more but I still like I'm still working on it I I yeah, my personality is just the type that I want to um, maximize my time as much as possible and be as productive as I can. And I don't like to uh, waste my time doing stuff. Um, and that's bad. And I feel like I, I didn't say that. I feel like I still need to become more successful and I still need to do more. And uh, I'm, I'm working through these thoughts with my therapist, but I, I, I still have all this pressure that I'm putting myself on, um, which is kind of crazy. Like I, yeah, like right now I'm like thinking of applying to an MBA, um, but I'm also want like a new job at work. And I'm also trying to do something with this content creation space. And, it, that, and when I think about it, that's doing too much all at once, kind of impossible, but Um, Yeah, I'm working on it and like giving myself grace um, and allowing myself to take one step at a time. But uh, I don't know, like that song, I just feel like so much pressure to be the best that I can be because my parents gave up so much for me to be here. And, um, you know, my dad was actually a doctor in Mexico before he immigrated to the United States. That's how my mom and my dad met, actually. My mom uh, was a secretary at the clinic where my dad worked. Um, <laughs> it's a very cute story. Um, yeah, so he worked as a doctor for, I think, like 10 years in Mexico. And then they decided to come to the United States 
because it wasn't even though he had a very like you know a doctor you're a doctor, thing, a doctor yeah but it was still not enough which is crazy and um they came to the united states um and i was like dang my dad gave up his whole career he gave up you know, he went to his dreams. Yeah. He gave up a lot to passion. And I know that that's his passion because he still like reads books about it. He like loves it. He, he's so, my dad is so smart. Um, and cause like when someone's sick, when something happens to somebody, my dad like diagnoses people, he knows what's wrong with them. Um, it's amazing. And I just see it. Or when we go to the doc, like, um, I grew up going to, you know, translating, like most of us did. Oh, and yeah, so of course, go and translate whenever he had a doctor's appointment, I go and translate. And the doctor and my dad would say medical terms, or um, he would name them the, the, the name of the medicine, like, names of medicines are very complicated. And my dad just like, would say all these things and I, there was like a moment where one of the doctors was like how does how does he know that like how does he know all of that and I was like well it's because he was a doctor in Mexico um and it's in those moments that I'm just like wow my dad gave up a lot like it's like me moving to a different country and giving up what I have now um and my mom too and their families their parents not seeing their parents not seeing their siblings for all these years, I can't imagine not seeing my brother for over 25 years. I just can't. I can't. Or my parents, not seeing my moving away and not seeing my parents for all these years. And so like, because of all of that, I think it's self-applied pressure because my parents have never been like, Kim, we need you to be extremely successful. All my parents told me was to go to college. My parents never said, Kim, you need to do X, Y, Z. You need to make this much money. You need to apply to the school you need to get an MBA you need to do what my parents never told me anything like that they always they just told me go to college um that's it try to have like have a good life after um but I've just applied all this pressure to myself um because I want to make sure that my parents sacrifices are worth it and I want to also make sure that I can retire them and that they can um enjoy that I like retirement is a huge stressor for me. Um, oh yeah. I think for a lot of us too. And yeah, I, I've seen that in the, I, I didn't realize how big it was for everyone else because we typically don't have platforms where we talk about this stuff, but I think people on TikTok are very like vocal, like they share their feelings. Like on Instagram, I don't really see that, but on TikTok people comment and share all their feelings. And I've seen that, that pressure of like retiring your parents is huge for a lot of us. But you're well on your way to like being successful. I mean, you already are. And and we'll talk about, you know, your experience working in tech and how you got there. And, um, but just kind of like, I think sometimes we're so fixed on becoming more, achieving more. And I've had that reality of like, that was me. I think when I was in college, I had three jobs and I needed to graduate like in four years, because if I spent one more year, I was going to be like, behind and I needed to do this, yeah. this, and this. So I've put so much pressure to myself and, and I hope this doesn't happen to you, but if it has, let me tell you where I'm at. I'm burnt out. And I realize this now I'm at a point where everything just feels like I'm existing, but not living. I am in the moment and I'm just like surrounded by 
feeling tired and feeling overwhelmed and everything that I had joy in doing, I now find it as a chore, like another thing to do on my list. And it's a really bad feeling to have. And I think all of it and what we're talking about stems from being undocumented, always having to find resources, always having to fight for an opportunity and we're not enough. And I think all of that, you know, internalized in us. And so now we're at this point where as adults, I'm still trying to overachieve at work. I'm still trying to like, I have a full-time job. Well, can I get a second job or, you know, our experience under DACA is so limited that seriously, I'm like trying to maximize my work permit to like, how many jobs can I have, you know, or like how many, what can I do with this? Because I'm so afraid to lose it down the line that I'm like, it's that fear of missing out at some point. And mm-hmm. um, I hope that a lot of people, if you are listening, that you don't go through a situation like this really do, as Kim said, balance yourself because it's hard. It's hard when you're in my position right now where I'm just tired and exhausted and I don't know how much more I can do or I can give. And I'm really kind of like retracing back to like finding happiness. What makes me happy? Um, if it's going back to school, like you said, and getting your MBA, great, do it, but do it because it makes you happy. Not because you feel like I need to accomplish more. Cause let me tell you, Kim, from looking behind the scenes on the camera and through all the social media and everything that you're posting, like it feels like you've already achieved so much and you're already putting that example. So I hope that the takeaway is that you don't feel pressured to do it because you have to do it, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, no, thank you. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Am I pursuing this because I want to and because it's going to make me happy? Or am I pursuing... Because you're trying to prove someone or something to somebody, you know, like, am I trying to prove something, but yeah. you've already done it. Like you've already done it. Like you've proven it to yourself. And that's what my therapist says. <laughs> like, what makes you think you're not successful already? What makes you think you're not X, Y, Z? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. So in my head, I'm just going to say it. Like in my head, I want an MBA from Harvard or Stanford. Um, if I don't go to the school or maybe Columbia, but mostly in my head, it's like Harvard. And just because, man, I, I feel like I'm already explaining, I'm outing myself, but it's, be, I just want to prove myself and, 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 and see, this is, this is the problem. Like, I'm just trying to prove that I am good enough. And like, as an undocumented immigrant, I've made it to like the most elitist institution in the United States. Um, and I made it to this space and we're here to take over ah but um I just I I had this I like idea that like Harvard is like ultimate success and achievement um but then I questioned myself like is that what I really want to do do I even want to move or live in Boston maybe if I really want an MBA I should just go to Berkeley or I should go to Stanford or I mean first of all these schools need to accept me and I need to apply and it's a very complicated process and difficult um, but I think I'm, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Am I pursuing this because it's going to make me happy? Um, or is this because society expects me or because I had this idea personally in my head that this is like the ultimate success, um, achievement. Um, and I don't know, I have mixed feelings. I'm like trying to figure it all out at the same time. I kind of like also, 
I feel I feel as though if I were to do this and I got in, I could, uh, I don't know, like I'll do it for my community, um, do it for my family, show other people that it is possible, kind of like be in these spaces and, um, you know, represent the undocumented community. Um, and just, I, I don't know, I'm really just trying to figure, I'm trying to figure it out. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm working towards figuring out right now and having conversations with friends who are doing it or have gone through it uh, already. And you're right. Like, first of all, we are all good enough just because we are human. There is no credential um, or degree or job or company or job title that makes us good enough or valuable or successful. Like we are all good enough just because we are human. And I know this and I'm aware of this and I still have, I still apply this pressure to myself because honestly, like if I'm being honest with myself, I don't think that Harvard is going to help me make more money. Um, And that's why a lot of people uh, pursue an MBA because it'll help them make more money. But really in the tech industry, you don't really need higher education. No, I think a lot of it too is based on experience. Yes, it is experience. It literally is experience. So I'm just like, dang, like, I'm not going to make more money. I'm going to just get myself into $2,000 debt just to prove to people that I'm smart enough and good enough. Yeah. But then at the same time, I think maybe I'm also just trying to prove it to myself. But also where are those feelings coming from that I already don't feel like I'm good enough? It's just, it's just a whole journey. It's a full circle moment. And I know that you're not the only one thinking about this. And I've gone through the same scenario that you're going through and so many like aspects of my life. And let me tell you, I hope it gets easier because I hope that as we get older and we are depending, we are depending on DACA and we are depending on this, you know, process staying not even staying, we need better than DACA, but for now, I mean, we're 10 years into DACA and I'm depending on this to continue. And that's where I'm kind of like stepping back and just being like more aware of my situation. I mean, thankfully, like you said, we have good jobs. We, we, we are doing a lot better than where our parents were uh, at a certain point. And I think that already makes us, I mean, it makes me feel better, but ultimately the fight still continues for a pathway to citizenship that has not stopped and I feel like uh as we're taking care of like making sure that we are successful I think uh taking care of our mental health is also important yeah and putting ourselves first and our feelings is as you were talking you know like going through therapy having these conversations like you and I are having now um making other people aware that this is where our head is at right this is what we're going through and I hope that like I said if if they're currently going through this they know that they're not alone I mean yes definitely I think we all have that middle life crisis and that's where I am um so welcome to the club anybody else in this like little uh situation that we're talking about but you know, going yeah. back to DACA and, you know, being able to have DACA that allows you to work on a two-year limit and then renew and then again and again and again, how have you been able to have this job in tech? Um, and just, yeah, as a DACA recipient, tech right now is thriving. Like tech is where it's at for what I'm hearing. And being a <laughs> female in tech, like, girl, let me just go ahead and like, applaud that that is super cool like how did you get into tech and how's it been 
uh, in your journey so far? Yeah. So I, in college, somebody that I knew um, told me about this opportunity at Facebook. Uh, There's like an internship program and um, I was like, okay, I'll apply. And then I applied and I interviewed and I got the internship and it was kind of a crazy it was a crazy experience. You know, looking back at the time, you know, it was very fun and exciting. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to work at Facebook. Okay. So first of all, I'm just going to say that the, the Facebook brand may be a little negative right now. Be, and I think it is a, a been negative, but at the time it was very positive. Like working at Facebook was such this, wow. That was before all the scandals in Cambridge Analytica and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> but at the time it was like, you know, and I was so happy and excited. I was like, wow, like, this is so cool. Um, but I, I feel like now that I look back, I feel like it was even more amazing because, um, yeah, at Facebook, you get spoiled. Um, interns are treated like queens and kings. They pay for your housing. They, the food is free. They take you on trips every weekend to baseball games, to Santa Cruz, to a movie that just got released, bowling, et cetera. They just took us on these adventures fully paid with your internship class. I made amazing friends there uh, and uh, I interned there for two summers. And then after uh, my internships there, I applied to um, the company that I am at now. And after I finished that internship, I got a full-time offer and it's been really great ever since. Uh, the reason I chose the tech industry is because I felt like I, I felt in terms of um, like business and the business school, there's, there's usually like three typical tracks that these students take. So consulting, banking, and accounting. Um, they call them ABC, accounting, banking, consulting. Yep. And then tech. Uh, is a really up and coming industry that business students are, you know, going into now. Uh, and I just felt like I, I would go to recruitment events for these other industries. And I just felt like I couldn't be my full self and I couldn't really connect with people at these events and a little elitist. I mean, the business industry, business programs or business degrees or schools can be elitist, honestly, like you get the energy is kind of like people think they're all that and better than you, but whatever. I was part of that world because I knew that that would help me in the future. <laughs> but um, I felt like, yeah, in tech, I, you could be more yourself. Like people dress however they wanted to dress. There was no strict, like, you know, dress code. You know, you could dress however you wanted. You could dye your hair with however you want. You could look however you wanted. And I just felt like it could be more myself. And, um, and that's why I chose to be in this industry. And also I saw that there was like more work-life balance. People cared more about um, you, you know, going, having a life outside of work and more flexibility. And I just, you know, I, I aligned with that. And I, because um, at, at one point I was deciding between going into banking, um, but ultimately I decided on tech and I felt very like safe. And I thought that this was the best path for me. And another reason was because um, these tech companies have um, 
offices internationally, like they have offices um, across the world. And so I was also thinking long-term if DACA ends, you know, if they take away DACA, then I can potentially ask these companies to relocate me to a different office in a different country and I'll work from there. And I feel, and I felt like that was like very possible for me. So that's kind of like that. Those are kind of like the reasons why I chose it. And I felt um, more safe uh, about being my true self at work. And uh, I don't want to like over glamorize the tech industry either, but I don't know, like it felt, it felt right. Also like the pay, you know, uh, the pay is really good. Um, and I saw the potential there, uh, like of my like socioeconomic mobility. And um, honestly, you can make a really good money in a lot of like business uh, in all the different industries. But um, that was something also that like intrigued me was I can make good money out of college. Um, and yeah, those are kind Work of- directly uh, in tech. Like, and, and just to think about like, there's this whole like movement in STEM. And if anyone's familiar, like if you're currently in school or you went through school, like they're putting a lot of emphasis in STEM and more so Latinas or Latinos in STEM and even more so women in STEM and so technology, like you being a representation of women in tech, I think that is so like, it's really cool to see you, uh, you know, developing in this career because you're being open about it on your social media. You, I mean, I'm pretty sure people have asked you about how you got there. What did you do? What are the secrets, you know? And, and I know it's not easy, one, because you do have to get a degree, you have to go to school, you have to prove yourself again, that you are, you know, uh, meant to be in this industry. And I'm glad that it's a path that you've decided and that you like. And there's a lot of opportunities. I think a lot of people right now, like I said, like there's so the TikToks that I see on everyone talking about tech and working in tech and glamorizing, like you said, and I'm pretty sure it's great. Uh, but also like uh, acknowledging the fact that you are a woman in, in, in tech and, and you're representing this community and you're putting us in the map of like, you can do this too, you know? And so I think yeah. that's super, super cool. And that was one of the things that definitely I know uh, thrives on your social medias because you talk about it a lot. Um, and then just going into social media and bringing this full circle because I've yeah. met you through TikTok and uh, like we've already talked about, you know, like you being open about your status and a lot of your life experiences. Most recently, Coachella, like I was so jealous oh and like living through your stories and living through your posts and your outfit checks and everything. Like it's so iconic. So like all these little things. That you I, I don't even know. Sometimes I'm just like, I don't know if people care or if, if they're interested in seeing this, but I'm just going to post it. And that's the cool thing about it, right? Like you're just following strangers in their everyday life. Like there's so many like TikToks, like a day in a life in this person, a day, like it's, it's so interesting. So yeah, that's why I love connecting with people and like learning more about them. So like today I get the behind the scenes of you on your videos and everything. So that to me is like super cool. Girl. Um. But like, tell me how, like your first video and like, why did you start TikTok and how it's grown into what it is right now? Girl, man, I feel like I just fell into this. Um, so let's see, let's, where do I begin? So 
I felt like I was too old for TikTok, to be honest. Um, like, I know, I know. And so in 2020, I felt like in the beginning of the pandemic, it became super popular. And um, I didn't understand the app. I tried to make a couple of videos, just like fun, like not trying to be a content creator or anything. Like I was just like trying to upload some funny stuff. Um, and I couldn't understand how to edit. Like the app seemed super complicated and difficult for me to understand. And I was like, dang, like maybe I'm just like too old for this. <laughs> I know. And then, um, and then in 2021, my brother got it. I recorded my brother when he got into UC Berkeley and I uploaded the video on uh, TikTok and that was really crazy. It went viral. Um, yeah, I was shocked because I didn't actively upload anything. Um, and then just uploaded that video and I was like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, and then I didn't do much after. Like I had friends telling me, dude, this is your big break. This is your moment. This is your moment. I know. That's what people would tell me. And I was like, I don't know. And then people were like, you're using your brother for clout. I'm like, yeah, my, he's my brother. I'm just kidding. But um, my friends would just like make fun of me that like I was using my brother for fame because I posted that video on my account and my account was going viral. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah it was just funny um and I didn't really do much after that I I, I don't know I, I got caught up in life and honestly I was like kind of like unmotivated last year because I felt like I was just waiting for life to begin again I just felt like the pandemic and not being able being restricted and I don't know I don't know I was like in a weird place but um and then this year the first video that I uploaded I think this year was um, and in, my friends and I watched Encanto and we realized that a lot of the characters uh, looked like us. And I just made this video of how um, I, my friends and I looked like the different like Disney characters and it was cute. And I uploaded that. And then I saw I got, I don't know, it was, it got like two or 4,000 views. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, wow, 4,000 views. That's so exciting. And then um, I was, I just like showed my brother the video Um and he's my brother was like, dude, why don't you make a song uh, about Lisa? I feel like Lisa is you. And I was like, dude, I totally think that Lisa is me. Like the song Pressure, I completely identified with it. I honestly wanted to cry when I was listening to it. Um, I also agree. I feel like that is me. And my brother said, well, you should just make a video about it. Why not? For, for fun. And I was like, okay, I'll make a video. And I made the video. And um all of a sudden it started getting a bunch of views and it just kept growing and growing and growing and growing. And it would jump from like a thousand to 5,000 and then 5,000 to 10 and then 10 to 20 and then 20 to 30. And it just like crazy, crazy, crazy. And I was like, what the heck? And comments. And I went to sleep at night. I think I forgot how many views were on it and then it and when I woke up the next morning I think there were like 200k views and that was crazy to me because I wasn't um intentional yeah it wasn't intentional at all I was just like being like honest and sharing something that I connected with and it blew up it blew up and my and then I realized like wow like my videos on TikTok have been very casual unintentional just being myself and organic and twice without even trying my videos went viral and I just felt like wow maybe the universe is telling me I should do something with this I felt like the universe is telling me that maybe there is a space for me here 
Um, for me personally, I've always like wanted in my head, actually not just in my head, but like I've always said I've wanted influence. I've always wanted to have a platform, not because I want to be famous, but I've always just wanted a platform um, to talk about my immigrant experience, DACA, social injustice issues, and just advocate for my community. Um, and I wanted to have a, a bigger voice. Like that's always been my, my like something that I've wanted. Um, so yeah, like ever since that video, I started making more um, and I am still learning about uh, this content creation space, as people call it. Um, I've seen a lot of people talking about having a niche, which I really don't even know if I have a niche because I, I feel like my videos are a little all over the place or maybe it's just me being an overthinker, but I like fashion. I like, I like buying clothes and I like, you know, looking good. I also, um, want to educate people on investing or um, talking about my experience working in tech and how to get in tech and also about, you know, uh, being undocumented or growing up um, documented or having DACA or just making pictures of my immigrant like family or my parents who are really funny. Um, so yeah, I kind of just like, that's just kind of how it started. And it's, um been what like three months now I think but that's yeah it's a little bit about it long story no it's so cool like I always feel like I haven't been able to like do all this content creating because you're you're mentioning all the work that goes behind it and I think the fun part about your story is that it was unintentional, right? You're just uploading a video. And I think that's how I wanted to be where I'm just like uploading, but then you become so like myself, like I've become so fixed on like, this is how the video needs to do that. I'm like overcomplicating yeah. everything where I can just post the video and forget about it. And I want it to be like that, but my brain doesn't work like that. Girl, I know I'm like that too. I'm like that too now because now I'm like, I feel like I'm overthinking it. I, in the beginning, I, you know, I, I was like, dang, I, I just started and look at me. And now I'm like, holy snap. This is actually extremely difficult. It is not easy to go viral. It is not easy to get an audience. Uh, creating content is very time consuming. Um, this whole space that I feel uh, people, and even me, I was, I'm guilty of this. I used to think, oh my gosh, influencers, what a dream life. They just take pictures of themselves. And like, I want that job. I want that kind of life. How cool. And then now that I'm, I mean, I, I would say I am a content creator um, or aspiring to be one. No, I should say I am because I kind of am. Um, it's so much work and planning and I have all these ideas in my head, but when it comes to executing it, it's complicated. Uh, editing is complicated, mm -hmm. like shooting every, everything. Um, and also you should probably make some money out of this too, right? Like you should we shouldn't be doing work for free either um and so pitching yourself to brands and like learning about what my rates should be what people you know brands reach out to me uh and they offer me xyz but um you know like is that am i getting compensated um accordingly to what i should be like is this a fair rate 
um is this not should I do it anyways it's just like a very new and interesting world that I am learning about and it's fun and exciting to be honest and I've manifested in my head like a lot of uh cool things out of it I hope they become a reality <laughs> but yeah I, I always like imagined myself doing something like this but I never really thought that it would actually happen um or that I would be actively doing it and um succeeding in it but yeah it's so complicated because uh you know there are haters and you have to learn to ignore them that's something that I've learned uh is to just not respond to negativity um but yeah it's like very complicated work but I think in the beginning I just thought it was so easy because you know I just like randomly uploaded a video and it went viral and now um, it's actually really hard to go viral. <laughs> yeah, it's another full-time job and added to your already full uh, you know, list of things to do. And yeah, I think uh, I never realized how the you know, content creating life would be like and definitely nowhere near being that, but also, yeah, it's hard. I don't think I have the, not the creativity, but like the, the time. Know, the time. Yeah, I... No, it's too complicated. Girl, yeah, it is so much time and energy. Like I'm, um, you know, as we've talked about a little bit, you know, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life, what my next job will be, if I want to do an MBA, what I'm doing with in this content creation space. And I'm like actively like trying to figure all of this out and journal and really thinking deeply about what I want with my life because it is a lot of work and I don't want to just do things um just to do right you yeah, need to have I, exactly and I on it and um I'm just trying to figure it out like what kind of like message uh do I want to send out and I'm also curious like what kind of message am I currently sending out is it the energy that I that I want um, I hope so. Um, it's nice when I get feedback from people on the kind of uh, message or vibes uh, that they get from my account, um, because that makes me feel like, okay, like, yes, that's what I want. Or yes, that's not what I want. So far, it's been good. But yeah, now I'm like, I'm an, over I'm an overthinker as well. Uh, and I am trying to just be intentional about how I spend my time because time is very limited too. Um, and, but so far so good. We'll see how it goes. I think it is very important for DACA recipients um, and people who are from the undocumented community to have a platform. And I don't think that we have enough voice. Um, I don't think we, enough of us have a big enough platform um, or a voice like, I mean, I mean, we just don't like how many DACA recipients do we know or undocumented people that have a platform? I don't think that that number is very small because our entire lives we've been told to be quiet. So of course, most of us are not even going to talk about our experiences. And so that's another thing that I think about too. Like um, I've always felt it my responsibility, even though it's not, and it's, but I have applied a responsibility to myself that um, I should speak out and I should um, advocate and for my community as much as I can because I have certain privileges that I know others don't 
Um, and now I'm very comfortable talking about my status. And so I feel like it's my responsibility to represent or speak out. And so as I think about, um, I don't know, this TikTok or social media world, I'm like, maybe, maybe I should be doing this. Maybe I, I, I don't know. Everything's kind of still up in the air, but, um, I do think it's important for us to have a platform. Um, but for the majority of like influencers or celebrities, they're not DACA recipients. They're not part of this community. And I feel like there should be more of us. So yeah. Yeah. To anyone out there listening that also has a podcast or wants to start a podcast. Yeah, definitely. uh, uh, Just like Kim, you know, trying to find your own uh, way in um, a platform. So as we're ending this episode, and I think this is a good way to end it, um, you know, going full circle on your story and realizing how far you have come from, you know, being this little girl. And when you were little, did you have a dream of what you wanted to be? Like, if you saw like yourself as an adult, is this you right now? Like, is this a person you envisioned? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say I am. Yeah, I would say I am. I, I, I think when I was a little girl, um, I had some random careers that I would dream about but I wanted to be like a strong independent educated successful fashionable woman and I feel like that is who I have become and like you know I'm like financial stability is something that I always wanted to have and I have it um I wanted to like have independence before um you know uh getting married like I wanted to have like a full experience of being on my own um without getting married yet I've had that uh and like working in like a big company and going to college honestly like my biggest goal when I was a little girl was to go to college uh so I would say that I am what I envisioned that was honestly yeah going to college was my biggest goal uh everything else came after falls into place right like yeah but I would dream about it man I just remembered myself like laying in bed and just dreaming about going to college and like I would write in my little diary that one day you will go to college you did it and look at you now like right after you know like being able to have a job and like I said it sounds easier said than done but the process and every you know, like all the work that goes behind it and the mental health part of it, like definitely um, there's a lot that people don't know about your story or getting to where you are right now. And so I do definitely thank you for sharing. Um, And then like fun fact, let's do fun fact, Uh, fun fact of Kim. uh, Do you have any weird uh, nicknames growing up? Like Kim, I I think uh, Hispanics usually have a lot of like nicknames like I my name is Sandra so like me decían chancla and I'm like that is so random like why would you even do like why so like my dad would call me like chancla ven pa acá and I'm like you know like so Kim were you known as anything else growing up I've been called a lot of things um I'm sure so I mean I'm five two um so I would be called like inana um and to my uncle apparently like I guess as a kid I had a big head so he would call me cabeza de pulpo that one is so random 
like that is other pulpo because apparently he had a big head. And then one that is, um, it can be controversial now, but um, so my family, my ethnicity or race is a bit complicated, but I am a quarter Chinese. Um, and so my Mexican non-Chinese side would call me China. So China was a big one. China, Enana, Cabezona, Cabeza de Pulpo. Um, those were, I guess, from family members. Um, but my dad has would always call me princesa or artista because my dad always thinks that I'm very extra. And apparently I've been very extra since I was a little girl. So he would always say artista. Oh, mira, ya salió la artista. Mira, la artista ya llegó. Uh, ay, por fin, artista, ya te lista. Like, yeah, so that, I think those were yeah. definitely <laughs> fitting of your personality. And as we talked about Teresa, you channeled your inner Teresa and you shared about this on this episode. So thank you so much for sharing. Uh, any parting words that you want to share with our listeners, everyone that's joined on this episode today? Anything you want to leave us with? Um, yeah, I think that I just want everyone to believe in themselves and have big dreams despite all the adversity and like struggle and like barriers that we face uh and I want everyone to feel like they're good enough no matter what and uh to never think that uh we are less than anyone else because of our immigration status that does not define us uh that is not everything like Teresa would say, entre ser o no ser yo soy. Um, we are amazing with or without papeles. And we are good enough just because we are human and we need to love ourselves and never feel like, yeah, like we're not good enough just because of a piece of paper and to not let that hold us back uh, because we can accomplish so much. And we have accomplished so much despite everything. So I think those would be my parting words. Beautiful, beautifully said. And uh, to anyone interested in following more about Kim and your social media, like your videos, like I said, I was like so invested in your Coachella experience. Oh my gosh. Like literally, I was just like, I wish I watched Coachella through like live stream on YouTube. And I was like, I wish I was there, you know, like type of vibe. So yes, definitely. Um, whenever I get to see people like, like doing things like that, right? Like it's such a big dream to be able to travel and, and I'm in Texas, California seems so far away, but one day or like Chicago or like when I see people posting and living their best life, it's so beautiful that, you know, you, you kind of like think like one day I can do that too, or I want to do that too. So thank you so much for sharing and being so open about everything that you've experienced yeah, and, and just a glimpse of it through this episode. And with that, um, let us know where we can follow you if you want to share your social media handles. Yes, follow me at the Kim Schwartz. And the way you spell that is T-H-E, the Kim, K-I-M, Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. And I have the same handle on Instagram and TikTok. 
and I'll post it on the episode notes. So if you're interested, don't worry about spelling it because you're probably driving, you're probably at the gym, you're probably like limpiando la casa, and you're like, I can't spell this out right I now. Don't have worry. To spell it. Yeah, because people spell my last name so wrong all the time that I'm like, I want to make sure they know how to spell it. Oh, that's another thing I got made fun of for was uh, my last name. People would be like, Kimberly Shorts. <laughs> like shorts. Yeah. Oh, that is so cute. I like shorts, and then I'm also short. Oh so. wow. Yeah. No, I know the names. I think uh, there was a TikTok probably that I saw or something about like how you have to be careful what you're gonna name your kid because like family is gonna like make fun of them so hard. Like if you call them something, um, and I can't think of a specific name right now, but if you probably know, it was like uh like if Mexicans you call come up with the funniest things yeah so my boyfriend's name is Cameron and in English I love that name Cameron it's so nice but in Spanish that my family calls him Camarones there you go <laughs> yes that's exactly what I'm talking or about Camarón. like I'm like no <laughs> yeah so when I'm thinking of I mean I'm not planning on getting having children anytime soon but when I think about future kid names I'm trying to make sure that my family I mean no they're going to come up with a name regardless yes but, I know we already yeah. know the dangers of being Hispanic yes they literally call him cam- Camarón I'm like Camarón dude that's not his name but yeah how do you say Cameron in Spanish Camarón like there's no really better no, way I don't think so yeah so you have to be careful with like those names and there's so many fun ones that like I'm telling you I'm like wow people are creative they get creative with names and coming up with nicknames so um the one I thought of you was Kim Possible so when I was like oh Kim Kim Possible you know like you kind of like it makes sense so uh but you know as we're ending this episode thank you so much for everyone who joined this uh recording today and for listening stay tuned to our next DACA episode thank you Kim for having me yeah thank you and we'll see you all on the next episode bye